Northwest Christian School Online provides online Christian education for any students ranging from kindergarten to 10th grade. The tuition is fully covered through the state of Arizona's ESA program and is affordable for families out of state. You can count on NCS Online for a rigorous, proven online program that establishes a robust biblical worldview for all students. For more information, go to ncsonline.org. That's ncsonline.org. The brothers, for you and I to live for the kingdom of God, it's going to require a, a perspective shift, a new way of thinking, a new mindset. What in the world would it mean to pray, Thy kingdom come? Seek first the kingdom of God. Know that your home is in heaven and live as if that's your goal. What we've done in the past simply can't be done anymore. That we lived our life in a certain manner because it was basically a Christian world, a Christian culture that we're living in. That time, those times are over. It's not enough to be a believer. It's not. You, it is not sufficient for you just to believe and that's it. You cannot be a believer. Being a believer leads to being a follower. Instead of all these things we're worried about that consume our thoughts and our minds, instead of using your mental energy on that, instead, seek his kingdom. What in the world would it mean to pray, thy kingdom come? All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Kingdom Culture Conversations. Today's May 16th, and I am so excited to welcome back Janet Ruth, author and speaker, and we have been talking through her book, Separate for a Reason. Um, Janet, welcome back. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed being here. Well, it's been great to have you. Your your book has really just generated such conversation uh, on, the, on the campus as well as uh, the podcast conversations we've had. I've had more than a few students pull me aside and, and just say, hey, I haven't thought about it that way. And, and there's yeah. a few questions that at some point it'd be, it would actually be fun to have some students uh, hit you with some questions. Oh, that uh, would and, be fun and scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is, that is true. Well said. Uh, but it, it'd be fun maybe in a future episode to, to capture, to capture that we're is, is our fo is our, our listeners know and is the community of, of Northwest Christian and, and frameworks and online school are figuring out this summer, we're looking forward to working through another one of your books. And, and that is, uh, your role in God's master story and exploration of, of worldviews and, right. and. I'm excited for that. And, and Janet is, you know, as you look at these books as an author, um, one of the things I'd, I'd love for our families to consider doing is to get online and to recommend uh, some of what you've written to other, to other folks. Cause I just think what you're sharing, especially, you know, the separate for reason and then in your role in God's master story, I think, these are going to be some game-changing and really memorable books and experiences for our students. How can our families support you as an author uh, online or in whatever format they they can? Uh, the major thing is online reviews are so important, especially for an author that's not supported by a large publishing house such as myself. Uh, it's difficult to find people to review your book when they don't know who you are or where you're coming from. So it's so wonderful that that you're speaking up for me and saying, yes, this is someone that um, that you should look into. And then when your families and your teachers say, yes, I read this book and um, I think it's worthwhile, then that 
helps other people find it online and it helps other people um, be willing to take a chance on it. So there's, you can review on Amazon, uh, christianbook.com, Barnes and Noble, any place you can find the books for sale, there's usually a place to review them. And also just, you know, tell people if you, if you think it's a good book, let people know because um, for me, this is a ministry and all ministries need the help of other Christians to support them. And that's, that's how you support me is by letting people know that this is something others should consider. Yeah. Well, I, I, I would hope our families do that. I, I think as we move through the summer, uh, they're really going to enjoy uh, the way um, the way you think and the way you write. It's in, like I said, in, the, in our last conversation, especially that, that biblical worldview book is just so accessible for students. And so I'm, I'm so eager. Uh, this last week, um, we put a copy of the book in front of every one of our teachers so that they would have the opportunity to, to not just read it this summer, but really allow it to influence and impact the way they think and talk about biblical worldview and worldview generally in the classroom. That's um, amazing. So, yeah, so folks, this really is a book uh, that I would would highly recommend. But we're we're going to descend today back into <laughs> a little bit of conversation about, um, you know, kind of follow up from our last two conversations. And mm -hmm. um, in this third conversation, folks, if you've not yet had the opportunity to hear those first two, the first one was on, uh, as I recall, May second. I believe the second one was on May the 10th. This one uh, is May the, obviously today is May the 16th. Um, and, and this is kind of part three. And, and what we're doing here is unpacking, I guess, where do we go from here? You know, and that's that's kind of where I want to take you with some of the questions I'm going to I'm going to put in front of you. Um, one of the things that we teach our students is that they are uniquely and perfectly created by God, their creator, and that the gifts, you know, the talents, the interests that they have, they were, they were uniquely placed within them. They weren't chemical, biological, <laughs> cosmological accidents. Um, they were, they were uniquely placed within them as part of his design plan uh, for them to play, you know, a, a role or really to be plan A in fulfilling his mission within the world. And as we have talked about your own personal story, I find it interesting how your walk with Christ at some point intersected with your desire to pursue law and become an attorney. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Could you, you know, what was it, um, you know, was it, then that you began pursuing an education and career in law and and you know was that a later in life realization how did how did it happen that you became an attorney you felt that the gifts <laughs> the talents the abilities god placed in you were right. going to be best grown and, and used as an attorney uh it's actually kind of funny looking back on my journey i've just written a book using stories from books movies and tv to help us understand god's master story and it was a love of TV shows that formed my desire to become a prosecuting attorney. Wow. I watched a lot of shows in my youth about police and prosecutors, and I was always drawn to the idea of fighting for justice. I wanted to help fix what was wrong with our world, even if I could only reach a small piece of it. But of course, as I got older, I learned that the problems of the world were a lot bigger than I had imagined. But I believe then, as I do now, that 
God cares about every bit of injustice in our world, whether it's big or small, affecting millions of people or only one. So I did my best to seek justice one case at a time while I had the privilege of working in that field. And God allowed me to use my legal training after I left to write and teach on issues important to Christians today. So even though I walked away from a legal career, none of that time working in that career was wasted. Yeah, absolutely not. I think that's so neat. I love the fact, and I think that that resonates with students, is that, you know, you, that appealed to you and is a product of that, those television programs, those <laughs> movies that you watched, they appealed to you as well. And I think mm -hmm. that's something our students should pay attention to in their own lives, that is they're drawn towards specific types of books, or they're drawn towards specific movies, TV shows, what have you that God is perhaps um, refining and funneling them into a unique area of service to him based on right. those interests. So, yeah, if you're seeing God in those interests, then I think God can use them. Absolutely. Yeah. We just need to place those, those interests on the altar. And, and yes. sometimes the Lord, when you place something on the altar, sometimes he does take it away, you know, but sometimes he takes that and he says, Hey, I'm going to use this for, for my glory in the world. Um, but let's go back to that that May second episode. On you know, on that episode, I asked you about a paradox that you wrote about in your book um, that rises from the First Amendment. It is, it essentially says this. You know, the paradox is that our liberty, which is based on our faith in God, includes the freedom to ignore God's moral law uh, or even to deny His existence. That's such that's so powerfully stated. Could you describe, you know, that paradox just a little bit more for our listeners? And do you feel like that paradox, which might have seemed benign, you know, when the First Amendment was first written, when it was first crafted, that paradox is as true then as it is now. But it was so much the times were so different. Yes. Um, you know, I, I'm wondering, has it has it led today to the cultural tension that persists all these years later? Well, when Thomas Jefferson wrote the introduction to the Declaration of Independence, he was summarizing what many people were saying throughout the colonies. They claimed that the people had God-given rights that governments cannot take away. That was their main justification for the right to claim independence from the British government. The king had legal authority over the colonies, but God has higher authority than the king. So our entire independence as a nation was founded on the idea that God said it was okay to reject the authority of a government that was trampling on their civil rights and to form a new government, which derives its power from the consent of the governed. So everything that followed after, including the writing of the U.S. Constitution, was made possible by a religious belief in a creator who made us all equal and gave us certain rights that governments can't take away. But one of the most important rights for the colonists was the right to choose which church they would attend, what doctrine they would believe. And because of that, the Constitution makes no attempt to define what the people should believe about God. So this has led to this divisive time in history when many people in the United States do not believe in a God who created us, or they don't believe in the God of the Bible or they don't think the teachings of the Bible should be used to define morality for all the people. 
So we're stuck in this paradox. If we as a people reject the religious ideas that justified the birth of our nation, we could end up losing the very glue that holds us all together and that gives us an identity as a people. But if the government tries to force people to accept certain beliefs about God, despite their own reason and conscience, we're violating the right to religious liberty that the Declaration says God himself ordained. Wow. That's, you know, that's, um, that's so interesting to me because it really, if, if we're going to see this nation persist, if we're going to see, you know, the, the vision that the founders had for America persist, it, it's not going to be written on a piece of paper that, that, you know, enables us to see that happen. It's, it's going to happen in the hearts of men and women throughout the country. Is right. that is that an accurate representation? I think so. We have to go beyond the Declaration of Independence. We have to go beyond the Constitution. We're going to have to find um, some answers that work because we can't stay stuck in a paradox forever. Yeah, no, that's so true. You know, and, and as an example of that in our last in our last conversation, we talked quite a bit about what have might what might have led to the debacle in the US Capitol on January 6, 2021. And based on some of your ideas that you put forward in your book, Separate for a Reason, I wondered and asked you if evangelical Christians within our nation had reached a moment in history when we were no longer able to reconcile our personal passionate convictions about faith with any form, great or small, of constitutionally invoked separation between church and state. You know, in other words, on January 6th, did we see, at least in the minds of some writers, that unless we become a Christian nation, by force almost, yeah. hope for America is lost? I think we did see that. Many Christians have reached the conclusion that preserving the religious foundation of the nation is more important than preserving the rights of individuals to choose what to believe about God or to reject him entirely. Many people in this country now, maybe the majority, don't want the government to rely on Christian values to define morality on issues such as marriage, abortion, sexual identity, and sexual orientation. They don't want conservative Christians setting the standards everyone has to live by. Some even want to force Christians to accept and live by the liberal moral standards we've opposed or else face some level of persecution, um, being sued, being fired from jobs, or being shunned as hateful bigots who are dangerous to our society, like we talked about last week. So a lot of Christians are ready to fight this culture war in the courts, in elections, in social media, and some have even turned to violence. It was hard to miss the Christian symbols used by people storming the Capitol on January 6, 2021. And I'm sure people at that event were voted, motivated by many different factors. But listening to the rhetoric leading up to that day and continuing since then, there definitely is a sense of Christians wanting to take back the power they once had in this country. Yeah, well said. I, you know, I think if you set aside January 6th completely, let's imagine for a moment that somehow as a nation, we are able to someday dial back that rhetoric 
and and all of the hyperbole and the accusations that each really each side seems to inflict upon the other let's imagine that as christians we are able to live with the fact that the constitution protects both my ability to believe in god and steer my life in accordance with that belief but also the right of others not to believe in god and to live their lives accordingly uh, if that were the case, Janet, if you know, do you believe that unless the majority of people found their way to living moral lives, even if they were not motivated by the truths found in Scripture, that America would ultimately fall? In other words, that James Madison's, you know, he called it um, an American experiment. Yes. Would that experiment fail? And here I'm thinking about a couple of quotes. Uh, from our founding fathers that you put forward in your book. Uh, one of them, Ben Franklin said, only a virtuous people are capable of freedom. Uh, he doesn't necessarily divine where that virtue comes from. <laughs> but as, as we know, uh, you know, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Ultimately, true virtue comes from him. Uh, can the liberties of a nation, this is Thomas Jefferson, I love this quote, can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed their only firm basis, a conviction in the minds of the people that these liberties are a gift of God, that they are violated, but with his wrath. And I'll repeat that last, that last question. He says that they are violated, these rules, these virtues, um, but with his wrath. What are your thoughts there? <laughs> um I'd like to go back to the quote we started with two weeks ago, where James Madison said that religion flourishes in greater purity without the aid of government. The point of Madison's quote wasn't that our nation would be okay without the support of religion, but that religion would be okay without the support wow. of the government. Wow. And I, I absolutely believe that. The God who created the universe doesn't need the United States government endorsing him like some minor politician trying to gain a following in a local election. True wow. religion, <laughs> the true religion doesn't need the support or even the acceptance of the governments of man. But do the governments of man, do we as a nation need the support and acceptance of God if we are to survive? And if we do need God's support and acceptance to survive, does that mean we can no longer allow true religious freedom? So some would argue that our experiment in letting people choose for themselves what to believe about God and whether or not to follow his rules of morality, that experiment failed. A level playing field for people of all beliefs is not working. Christians need to take charge one way or another and enforce a certain standard of morality and good character because without that, our nation is doomed. Those people would agree with John Stone Street in the article you quoted last week that revolution or religious revival are the only options now. And religious revival could solve the problem. If we get enough people to join our Christian camp, we can control the governments and the courts and make things the way we want. But if that doesn't happen, it may take a violent revolution to get back the power we once had the power to define morality and force our beliefs on those who don't agree with us. Or those people can leave, or we can make them leave. All of which is religious persecution. 
I mean, do we really believe that persecution is only a bad thing when we're the ones being persecuted? Yeah. Wow. So as Christians, our main motivation should be doing God's will, working with him to accomplish his purposes in our world. But Christians have different ideas about what God is doing in our world, what the ultimate goal is. So some believe that our duty as Christians is to change our cultures for the better. So people everywhere are living in accordance with God's designs. And this idea focuses mostly on behavior. What people believe about God is less important than how they act. Others believe that people can't change on their own. Their behavior will never be pleasing to God, no matter how moral they are, until they change their relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. So I started exploring those different ways of viewing our duty to God after I wrote Separate for a Reason, and that led to my new book, Finding Your Part in God's Master Story, an Exploration of Christian Worldviews. But whatever we think about God's ultimate goal for our nation, there are some things that shouldn't motivate our decisions about how we should live if we are Christians. I wrote the original version of Separate for a Reason 17 years before the January 6th insurrection. And wow. even then, yeah, even then I was concerned about Christians individually and in organizations fighting for power to shape our nation according to their ideals. And I was concerned that many Christians were fighting the culture wars for the wrong reasons. A lot of Christians, especially older Christians, are uncomfortable living in a society that doesn't reflect Christian beliefs and values. It's always easier to be in the majority and to have the people around you validate your beliefs. It's not easy to have people tell you you're a bad person because of what you believe. So comfort can be a big motivator. Fear is another powerful motivator. We fear we might be forced to live a way we don't like. We fear being persecuted if we don't go along with the new ideas. And we also fear God, and we wonder what he will do if our nation becomes completely immoral. Will he punish our nation? Will he take away our security and our prosperity? One of the biggest things we're afraid to lose is the freedoms we have. Freedom to gather with other Christians for worship, freedom to conduct personal businesses according to our values, and the freedom to tell others about God and Jesus. And our fear can even extend to the non-Christians around us. We don't want God to be angry with them and punish them for their immorality. So isn't it better to tell them the right way to behave and make sure they follow God's laws? But the thing I hear most among Christians is this sense of pride that we have in our country. And that pride is threatened when people try to change what our country looks like. So in my book, I discuss each of these motivations and I ask people to look past their emotions, their fear and distress and their wounded pride. I ask them to carefully consider what the Bible teaches about how we should live as Christians in the world. Does God want us to live in a comfortable, secure Christian fortress where everyone shares our values? Does he want us to build kingdoms here on earth that abide by his laws? Will our nation be justified before God because we put up monuments to him and politicians pray to him and everyone follows his laws? Is that what the Bible teaches us? Or is the real problem that we're fighting to secure a temporary home where we can keep the troublemakers out when we should be focused on God's eternal kingdom and inviting people in? Wow. My, my drop moment there. That is 
that is a lot to think about. <laughs> Janet, I was hoping that this one episode would kind of wrap up everything in my mind in terms of all the outstanding questions, but but I think that's the that's the mark of a good book. Number one, it pulls us back to God's word, as you so clearly yes. have invited us to do, but it also just makes you makes you think. And and uh once again, this this conversation has got my mind racing in a million different directions. So so I, I love that. But you know, we do need to close today. And as as we do close, you know, what encouragement or challenge would you offer those that are wrestling with some of the ideas? If if somebody is is hearing maybe some of these notions for the very first time and they're thinking about things a little bit more deeply than they have historically, or they're just brand new ideas. You know, what encouragement uh, would you offer those that are wrestling with the things that we've discussed today? I hope I hope people do wrestle with these ideas. I mean, that is the goal for me. And after looking at these motivating factors in my book, I look at what I believe the Bible says about how we should live in our world today. But I know not everyone will agree with my conclusions because not everyone has the same view about what God is doing in our world. So my ultimate goal is to encourage Christians to base their beliefs and actions not on emotions, not on political agendas, and not on a few Bible verses taken out of context, but on a solid, consistent biblical worldview, even if it means losing everything we have now as we look forward to God's kingdom still to come. Wow. Wow. Janet, well said. Thank you. Um, great, great conversation. And unfortunately, I'm going to have to invite you back again at some <laughs> point in the future, because there is so much that, uh, boy, you've kicked the hornet's nest open here yet once more. I, I just, I love the way, um, as I mentioned, that your book just just uh, tears off the bandage and, and makes you think. Well done. Well done. So thank you thanks. so much. And, and folks, thank you. Thank you for listening today. I just urge you um, to, to pick up a copy of, of Janet Ruth's book and, and not your latest book, but, but uh, an earlier book, as you mentioned, and that book is called Separate for a Reason. Uh, but then also do look forward this summer. Uh, we'll be working together through the book and we'll have the privilege of doing that with author Janet herself in, yes. in a series of videos that will be released on Mondays. Uh, those are going to be some fun videos. I can't wait to put those in front of folks. Uh, but do, folks, enjoy enjoy those books and, and think about some of the ideas that Janice put in front of us today. And above all, thank you for joining us for, for today's Kingdom Culture Conversation. Take care. Northwest Christian School has made Biblical Worldview online courses available to all high school students for transcript credit, regardless of whether they attend public school, private school, charter school, or homeschool. Frameworks is an exciting new initiative utilizing the learning management system of Grand Canyon University. For more information, visit BibleClassesForPublicSchools.com.